Welcome to the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. Every week we examine a chapter from the Bible and share music filled with God's Word. You can find our weekly content by searching Adams Road Podcast on your podcast app. Let's start today by listening through Acts chapter 8, verses 13 through 26. Simon himself also believed. Being baptized, he continued with Philip. Seeing signs and great miracles occurring, he was amazed. And when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen on none of them, they had only been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they laid their hands on them, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now when Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that whomever I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart isn't right before God. Repent therefore of this, your wickedness, and ask God if perhaps the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the poison of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord that none of the things which you have spoken happen to me. They, therefore, when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the good news to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise, and go toward the south to the way that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. All right, we're continuing on here in Acts chapter 8. Starting in verse 13. Simon himself also believed, being baptized, he continued with Philip. Seeing signs and great miracles occurring, he was amazed. Knowing the end from the beginning in this story about Simon, by reading ahead about Peter's encounter with him later in this chapter, we can maybe come back to this verse and ask whether Simon's profession of faith was legit and sincere. Simon's attention appeared to be more on the signs and miracles than it was on the message of Jesus. Looking at the circumstances, we can maybe fairly question whether his conversion was the real thing. Was he jealous of the signs and miracles worked through Philip and coveted them for himself? Was Simon losing his following as Samaritans converted to Christianity? Was he just obsessed with and fascinated by the supernatural is it possible he didn't desire Jesus, but rather the power Jesus offers by the Spirit for his own self-glory? Moving on, starting in verse 14. Now when the apostles who were at Jerusalem heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent Peter and John to them, who, when they had come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he had fallen on none of them 
they had only been baptized in the name of Christ Jesus. Then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So apparently in this instance, these Samaritans believed in Jesus but had yet to receive the Holy Spirit. So they received this gift by impartation after the apostles came down from Jerusalem to pray for them and lay their hands on them. We'll learn later though in the book of Acts that the Gentiles will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit immediately without the laying on of hands. Peter preached to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10 saying, To him all the prophets bear witness that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. Acts 10 verse 44 then recounts, While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out, even on the Gentiles. Paul reiterates many times to the Gentile churches, years later than here in Acts 8, the believers receive the Spirit by hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteousness. So why was the laying on of hands by the apostles specifically needed here in Acts chapter 8 with the Samaritans. First, let me say the laying on of hands for the gift of grace, the infilling of the Holy Spirit to affirm a call or to send someone out to a task under the direction of the church by the leading of the Spirit is something we see practiced in the New Testament. See, for example, Acts 9.17, 1 Timothy 4.14, 2 Timothy 1.6, or Acts 13.1-3. through but what's going on here in Acts chapter 8? Was there something missing in Philip's preaching that gave the people an inadequate understanding which necessitated the apostles to come down and make things right? Many have speculated, and there are various explanations for why the apostles came down. I don't know for sure why God did it this way. Some say that the Samaritans were indeed converted because of Philip's preaching, but God in a specific and perhaps one-time move, withheld the gift of the Holy Spirit until Peter and John could bestow it on them for a reason. You see, there was a lot of bad blood between the Jews of that day and the Samaritans. The Samaritans were seen as half-breeds who compromised and tainted the worship of the true God. There was deep prejudice standing between the Jews and the Samaritans. All of that to say maybe it was helpful for the Jewish believers to see the apostles themselves come down from Judea and affirm the conversions of these Samaritans, adding their blessing by imparting this gift of grace by the laying on of hands. This was monumental, the Samaritans receiving the Holy Spirit without having first been converted to Judaism. Up to that point, the Jerusalem Christians were all former Jews or proselytes. Endorsing these quote-unquote half-breeds, meaning half-Gentiles and half-Israelites, as a part of the Christian body was a huge step, and one closer to the mystery soon to be revealed, Christ and the Gentiles. Moving on. So when Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given through the laying on of the apostles' hands, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that whoever I lay my hands on may receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter said to him, May your silver perish with you, because you thought you could obtain the gift of God with money. 
You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart isn't right before God. Repent, therefore, of this, your wickedness, and ask God if, perhaps, the thought of your heart may be forgiven you. For I see that you are in the poison of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. Simon answered, Pray for me to the Lord, that none of the things which you have spoken happen to me. As mentioned earlier, it doesn't appear Simon's motives were pure. He was trying to buy the gift of God because he coveted its power, perhaps for self-glory. In which ways do quote-unquote religious people today try to buy the gifts of God? Works-based salvation systems are often about obtaining the blessings of God through earned effort. From an article in Christianity Today, written by Randy Peterson, titled, Selling Forgiveness, How Money Sparked the Protestant Reformation, Randy writes, quote, Nowadays, the paper might call it indulgence gate, but at the time, corruption was common in the church's highest offices. Leo X was Pope in Rome, a member of the high-living de' Medici family. He dished out bishoprics to his favorite relatives and tapped the Vatican treasury to support his extravagant lifestyle. When the money ran out, he made use of a fairly new fundraising scheme, selling forgiveness of sins. For a fee, bereaved relatives could get a deceased loved one out of purgatory at the right price. They could also save up for their own future sins, sort of a spiritual IRA. Indulgences, they called them. End quote. In the works-based religion in which I was raised, we kind of had to buy our way into worthiness, good standing in the church making you fit for heaven. You couldn't be saved if you weren't water-baptized into that religion, but you couldn't be water-baptized if you didn't first pledge to be a full tithe-payer to that organization. You couldn't have eternal life if you didn't continually participate in additional ordinances of that religion, like the weekly sacrament or the temple rituals. However, you couldn't partake of those necessary so-called cleansing and saving ordinances if you weren't a full tithe-payer, among other things. So in a very real sense, you had to buy your way into heaven in that religion. In Peter's reprimand of Simon, he lets him know you can't buy the gifts of God. You must receive them by faith. He's really harsh in his assessment of Simon because of this, saying he was in the poison of bitterness and in the bondage of iniquity. Moving on, starting in verse 25. They, therefore, when they had testified and spoken the word of the Lord, returned to Jerusalem and preached the good news to many villages of the Samaritans. But an angel of the Lord spoke to Philip, saying, Arise and go toward the south to the way that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert. It seems like Philip was really having success in his preaching among the Samaritans. I wonder if it caught him off guard when an angel of the Lord told him to go south to the desert of Gaza. Leave the abundant ministry in Samaria to go chill in the desert. Sounds like fun. Sounds real fruitful, huh? According to human reason, it sounds reasonable to me that he should have stayed in Samaria and continued preaching where he was, bearing a lot of fruit and reaping a large harvest for the kingdom of Christ. Have you ever been directed by the Lord to do something that didn't make a lot of sense to you at the time, according to your plans and reasoning? You may have had an expectation or idea 
concerning how things were supposed to unfold and what you were to do next for God. But has the Holy Spirit ever redirected you to take another course that made you scratch your head a little bit? We can't always see the end from the beginning, but we can trust God does and that his plan is better. Why in the world would God have Philip do this? I'm glad Philip trusted and obeyed. He would soon find out. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. In green pastures, he makes me lie down. Beside still waters, I am found. He prepares the table for me, anoints my head with oil. He restores my soul. My cup overflows, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will not fear, He is here. He is the door, the only shepherd. He loves his sheep. We know his voice as he leads. We follow him to the end. He's not a hired hand. He won't flee. He won't abandon us in need. When he sees the wolf coming, he knows us and we know Him. He goes before His own. Lay down His life in sacrifice. He is the door, the only way. We must enter by Him.
That was The Door from the Adams Road album, It's So Simple. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. For he has died to self and been born again. With a life that never ends And you may know that you have eternal life For everyone who believes in me That was Eternal Life from the Adams Road album, It's So Simple. 
This is the Adams Road Podcast, an outreach of the Christian music ministry Adams Road. You can learn more about us at AdamsRoadMinistry.com. Again, that's AdamsRoadMinistry.com. We release a new podcast episode every Saturday. Feel free to join us next week as we examine Acts chapter 8, verses 27 through 40. Grace and peace be with you all.